This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville Speedway, and 10th Street next to Ben Davis High School for great specials, including the two for $2.50 and two for $5. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey of the Kevin Kersey Agency. The Kevin Kersey Insurance Agency, a member of the Farmers Insurance Group, can help you with your home, life, auto, or business needs. And our phone number is 317-286-3481. We can also be found on Facebook at the Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. And you're always welcome to stop in at 480 East Northfield Drive, Suite 300 in Brownsburg. The Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Today's program is made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency. And now here's your host, Rob Kendall. Welcome in to another edition of Central Indiana Today. I'm Rob Kendall. Thanks for joining us. Coming up in just a little bit, we're going to speak with United States Senator Todd Young. Big uh, first six months for him in Washington, D.C., including a vote for a Supreme Court justice, Obamacare repeal, tax reform, and more. That's coming up. But first, big news in the state of Indiana. Our own governor, Eric Holcomb, via executive order yesterday, essentially saying that on a job application for the state of Indiana for the executive branch, which is his branch of government, you'll no longer be asked if you've been convicted of a crime. And to try to help make sense of this is our residential historian, political analyst, data guru, the great Scott Strong. Scott, how's it going? It's going good. How about you, Rob? I'm doing all right. Um, okay, so I've got some thoughts on this, but I'd be curious to hear yours first. Why is Holcomb now telling people who want to apply to essentially be in his administration, I don't want to know if you've been convicted of a crime anymore? Yeah, you know, this is uh, I think this is a little bit more of the political correctness of the environment of our culture today. And we have a lot of people that are in the place where they've had something happen in their lives. And so the the culture has moved to this thing of, hey, we're going to look at your overall record and not hold, you know, one particular offense against you. So his administration seems to be angling this way. But I'm sure before it's all said and done, they'll know who they hire and who they don't. OK, I don't like this, but it doesn't even have anything to do with whether they're asking the question or not. I'll get to that in a second. I don't like this because there ain't nobody that's going to work under the executive branch and have a chance to embarrass the governor that they don't do a thorough background check on. Trust me, I know I've been there. I've done it. So to me, this is all just a dog and pony show for political points. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too, when I originally heard this, because um, when you go through that process, you know, you can do the initial cuts. A lot of times they would do the initial cuts by getting rid of people. And then, of course, what they probably don't want is they don't want to be sued because they feel like they've discriminated against somebody because, as the culture would say, this person made a one mistake in their life. But I'll bet before you get down to the final hiring, they will like, do an extreme vetting on each of these candidates and they will know whether they did or did not do something in that area. And I 
I say this as somebody who's been through it. I served for the professional licensing agency. I was a director over there, which is under the governor's office. And now I was a director, so that was a bigger deal. But they ask you all sorts of stuff in your face-to-face interviews. Is there anything embarrassing in your past that can embarrass the governor, embarrass the administration, blah, blah, blah. The idea that they're not making you check this box, to me, this is just... It's hogwash because they're going to do it anyway, and nobody's going to get in there that's got a felony conviction. Yeah, and this is – I work in corporate America, and we, we I've hired many people, and I was in HR and went through this process when I was in human resources. Um, you're going to bring people in, and you're going to have in-depth conversations with them over – several hours and during that time you're going to find out this information one way or another how you find out about it and just being upfront about it i still think is the best way but i'm sure there's not going to be anybody that's going to slip through the vetting process that has anything like this they're going to find out one way or another now again i was an agency director so it was a little bit different or i was a board director i'm sorry um so it was a little bit different in terms of the responsibilities i had but i'm saying even these people that are customer service reps or whatever Mm -hmm. anybody that's got anything they're gonna find this because even if you're a low-level employee of the executive branch if you do something squirrely they're gonna say employee of governor eric holcomb that's right. So, and, you know, I don't think that there's, you know, this is kind of one of these things that's what's happening is it's as we start to rev up towards full employment, Indiana is starting to rebound and above national numbers of having employment. You know, we're going to start getting down to the place where everybody that wants a job is going to have a job. And then we're going to have this this fringe element of people who are interested in working but may not be the first choice because they've done some mischief or something in their past as they might refer to it. So we're going to they're going to sort this out and you know I guess it's another way of sorting things out and restacking the interview process to look at things but to look at it in a different way. I would be very surprised at the end of the day if anybody slips through with anything like this that they don't know about. Now, I've talked to many people that are state employees, and they're not thrilled with this. Now, again, this is only the executive branch, which is uh, those that are under the office of the governor. Um, There's a whole Mm -hmm. lot that are not, but they're not happy about this because at the end of the day, they're going to catch the problem with the background check. So this dog and pony show is just making it harder for these HR people and the people that make the decisions and the bosses that do the hiring. It's just making it harder because you're going to toss these people out anyway if there's something egregious why not catch it up front yeah and and, and speaking as somebody that used to be a human resource manager you know that check on the box doesn't necessarily mean it, it basically is the first test and this is what i would always say when i did it it was the first test to see if i had an honest person because just because somebody didn't check it didn't mean that they didn't have something in their past And myself as an HR person, I went ahead and looked for that. I ran the background check. Sometimes we did credit checks. I mean, you do several different checks. Now you're searching their social media accounts and you're doing a lot of other things. And for me, what I would say is if I had somebody that did not check that box and then I found that they had and they didn't tell me about it, they're gone. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> they are blacklisted because they have lied on their application. Well, and, and again, and you've spent a heck of a lot more time in the corporate world than I have. I've been a small business owner and, and uh, 
most of my life and I have, you know, I've worked, worked for the state for a couple of years and now I'm in, in corporate America in the radio world. But so you have a lot more experience with this than I do. I wouldn't disqualify someone because they checked the box. Yes, that when I was 20 years old, I got caught, you know, streaking in an alley or something in college and have a disorderly conduct thing. That wouldn't disqualify me. So I don't just I don't understand why you take it off the box. It just lets me know what's going on. Yeah, and that was the way I was as an HR person. You know, just because they hadn't checked the box, now I just wanted an explanation. Now, we're going to do our own vetting process and look into it myself. But if what you tell me comes out and is truthful and honest, in a way it says, hey, this guy made a mistake or this lady made a mistake and they've been honest about it. Hey, have they not? Now I'm going to be looking to see have they repeated that or did they really learn their lesson? Because, you know, we found many times if you want to have somebody uh, be a good steward of company finances, it's the guy that got caught stealing because he learned his lesson and will never do it again. And the, the, again, to come back to this whole thing, they're trying to spin it as, well, there's a lot of people that are looking for work that just simply can't find work because they got to check this box and this might give them a better chance. Nobody is getting past the application process that has anything in their background that could embarrass the governor. It's, I mean, this is, to me, it's just like, just be honest with people. This isn't, this isn't giving anybody a better or worse chance than they had before, because when it comes to dealing with the governor himself, now maybe the rest of state government, okay, but when it comes to dealing with the governor, there are people that their whole job is to handle this guy with kid gloves and make sure nothing gets out there. Yeah, and I, there's probably more to this story that we don't know. I mean, this seems like a political correctness type of a, an action. I will be interested to see is if they're just the first branch of government that does it, if this doesn't um, propagate to other parts of the organization within state government, or if this is just something that makes good news for Friday afternoon. Uh, again, speak of Scott Strong on Eric Holcomb, Governor Eric Holcomb's decision to uh, say going forward forward that if you apply for a job with the executive branch the state of indiana you no longer have to disclose whether you've been convicted of a crime uh real quick want to get out of here on this i've heard this from several people today in all walks of life that they are really surprised at holcomb i've heard the word disappointed greatly disappointed uh, he's been a pretty liberal governor through the first six months, huge tax increase, doing politically correct stuff like this there's a lot of people that are, are having their eyes opened yeah, and so it's interesting. Um, you sometimes don't know what type of a governor you're going to get until you get in and you get a little bit of a track record. And one of the things about Holcomb that we do know is there wasn't an extensive track record because most of his work was behind the scenes. The only thing that he was kind of in the fray was the lieutenant governor for about six or eight months before he came into office. So there wasn't much there other than kind of holding um, Pence's jacket during that time before he became <laughs> vice president. But um, we're going to see if he's going to do this stuff. It is probably very politically smart to be doing it early. And in the first six to eight months of his term, he can gauge how that's how that's going to be received. And then he's got three and a half years to adjust if he wants to run for a second term. All right, Scott. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, our interview with United States Senator Todd Young. You're listening to Central Indiana Today. Participate in global diplomacy and bring the world to the Hoosier State and your home. 
AUSA is a top-tier nonprofit agency that matches exceptional high school students with qualified host families for a rewarding exchange experience that cultivates leadership skills, develops intercultural awareness, and enhances local families and communities. For more information about hosting a student or studying abroad, visit www.ayusa.org. That's www.ayusa.org or call 415 415- 231-3871. That's 415-231-3871. Indiana Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio. You're listening to Central Indiana Today. I'm Rob Kendall. Thanks for joining us. And I had a chance earlier today to sit down and chat with United States Senator Todd Young, friend of the show, been on several times. And, well, I was joined by our good friend, Indiana State Senator Jim Merritt. We sat down and taped an interview with uh, Senator Young for our Capital Happenings podcast, which you can hear every Saturday morning, 8.30, right here on 98.9 WYRZ. And I uh, wanted to play it back for you because, well, it's very timely. It's very interesting. And I figured the, there's many different places we can put this thing out. Uh, it's always good to hear because so many important things going on in Washington, D.C. Had a chance, Senator Merritt and I did, to talk with uh, Senator Young about a host of issues from Obamacare repeal, tax reform, the Supreme Court, a whole lot of things to get to. We did it today with United States Senator Todd Young. Here's that conversation. Uh, Senator Todd Young, we very much appreciate you spend uh, several minutes on the phone with us uh, to talk about what's actually happening in Washington, D.C. And uh, I know you well, and, and you were an outstanding congressman, and you've got a great start to be our one of our two U.S. senators. And and uh, how is it going? You've got a lot of issues. You you um, have been working with, on the Saudi Arabia issue. You've been working on health care uh, you're you're right in the middle of uh, of the the issue that we we need to reform the tax code. Uh, you've got your hands full, Senator. Well, yeah, we've got a, a lot of balls in the air, but uh, uh, we've got uh, we got able uh, Hoosiers working in our office uh, and and also on the ground uh, here throughout the state of Indiana, making sure that. Uh, whatever policies we put together are connected to the needs and aspirations and concerns of uh, rank-and-file Hoosiers. So uh, with respect to uh, the uh, health care concerns people currently have, uh, we're soliciting all kinds of feedback around the state. It's clear the individual market is broken. Uh, there's, there's far too many uh, sad and dispiriting stories uh, uh, for time to permit for me to uh, communicate all of them to you. But uh, bottom line is uh, the vast majority of our Hoosier County, 63 out of 92, uh, have no options for people who buy insurance in the individual market. That is, uh, they're not on, on a government-run insurance plan like Medicaid or Medicare, uh, and they don't get it through their employer. So in 63 of our 92 counties, there's either zero or one health insurance option for those Hoosiers. Now, we all know that there's no competition under those circumstances. So the status quo is uh, unsustainable and, 
And uh, we're going to have to uh, do everything we can to fulfill our promises uh, to Hoosiers to move on to a better uh, health care system. So uh, we're coming to what I sense is about the end of that process, uh, at least our, our first installment on, on keeping that pro- uh, promise. And uh, hopefully we Republicans can come together on a bill that meets folks' expectations. It won't be perfect uh, by any stretch. Uh, and there'll be plenty of years to uh, continue uh, working for a better healthcare environment. But that's issue number one in the headlines right now. You mentioned some of my work on the Foreign Relations Committee. Yes, uh, we've worked on, uh, there's a, a humanitarian crisis in Yemen. Yemen's a country in the Persian Gulf where uh, 20 million people are on the verge of starvation or succumbing to diseases like cholera. And um, really the the genesis of the problems here are not a lack of food or a lack of medical supplies. Instead, there are political obstacles uh, to this being addressed. Now, it's not just an exclusively humanitarian or human rights issue. Uh, This is also a national security issue. You see, uh, Iran and its militias are on the ground in Yemen uh, amidst a civil war. And my real concern for America's uh, security and that of our allies is that if this region becomes further destabilized, then more of of the Houthi minority that is being starved and and, uh, uh, denied medical treatment will become radicalized and align themselves either with the Iranians or with al-Qaeda. So... Uh, big national security issue. The other national security issue we're working on is making sure that uh, as we continue this long war against terror, Congress actually fulfills its constitutional responsibility and has to vote on uh, matters of war, peace. And uh, so I put together legislation uh, making sure that uh, we authorize the use of military force. I've found some willing allies in Congress and um uh, it's the right thing to do. It lets our uh, men and women in uniform know that we have their backs, and we spent quite a bit of time on that. Again, our guest, our guest, United States Senator Todd Young. Senator, I feel like getting back to health care, I feel like the yeah. Senate bill is pretty good. It's pretty fair to the states. It does a lot of what people want to do. Do you go to guys like Cruz and Lee and go, this is pretty good, guys. Let's get on board. Yeah, you know, um, they're they're trying to improve it, as am I, behind the scenes. So, yeah, uh, I think doing nothing is not where we want to be. But if we have an opportunity here in coming days to improve the work product, we want to do that. So, I, I, you know, I don't, of course, don't want to disparage any of my Republican colleagues. I think they want the same thing all of us want, which is a sustainable system on the back end of this that takes care of all. Uh, Hoosiers, all Americans. And uh, I think we're, uh, as I said, about at the point where we can we can stare my constituents uh, in the eye and say, look, this was an honest to goodness, uh, good faith uh, first take at this effort. But down the road, we're going to need some Democrats to play ball uh, to get some of these things done, because it typically takes 60 votes in the United States Senate uh, to get some of the major changes uh, in place that are required. Medicaid, uh, state of Indiana, uh, through 
the leadership of first Governor Daniels and then later Governor Pence, working with people like Jim Merritt and our state legislature, um, ha- have done a really good job of putting together a Medicaid program that's tailored to the needs of Hoosiers. And our objective is to make sure that uh, we give even more flexibility and discretion to our state leaders to run the program. That's what folks like Jim have been asking for for years. Um, but, Jim, we want to give you a long enough glide path so that you have enough time to adjust to yes, this I'm new normal. Governor Holcomb, I'm, I'm certain Governor Holcomb, Governor Holcomb uh, desires some, uh, some guide path. I think that's a very good word for it. You know, there's a yeah. uh, uh, Senator, there's there's a there's a report out of Washington uh, that that um, that the senator from the Commonwealth of Kentucky, our Rand Paul, wants to vote to uh, to repeal and then work on a replacement in the coming year and give a guide path. Uh, is there any is there any interest on your behalf or or anyone else's? Does that have any? Any uh, any juice, any energy to it at all? Yeah, I think it does. I think, um, you know, we're first going to look at what the Senate bill looks like when we get back, right? Because uh, we had further debate about the, the working draft. And, you know, I can't emphasize enough that what was scored by our Congressional Budget Office and made public was a working draft. But we had a lot of internal debate about that. Some changes are being made, and we're going to be returning to – uh, Washington after the July 4th recess here, and, and uh, we'll see whether or not that's something we're ready to vote on. And then okay. if not, then we'll have a debate about this other option, which I think makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, on one hand, you repeal uh, Obamacare, uh, which is something we can all agree on. So let's vote on what we can agree on. And then hopefully we'll get some bipartisan support this go around for uh, a full bore replacement, not just something that can only pass with uh, 51 votes, uh, which limits our, our ability to make uh, the bold changes we want to under Senate rules. So um, we're going to have to think through the implications of that. You know, it, it, does that create problems in the insurance markets that lead to increased premiums if we repeal it without a clear indication of exactly what we're going to replace it with? So uh, last thing we want to do is uh, create some harm, uh, but it's it's certainly uh, uh, something that uh, merits a lot of attention, Jim. Again, our guest, United States Senator Todd Young. Uh, Senator, take us through this process. This was so awesome. You did such a great job getting Neil Gorsuch confirmed to the Supreme Court. Give us sort of the behind the scenes on, on executing the quote-unquote nuclear option, why you guys decided to do that, and how this process played out. Well, um, you know, he sold himself. Uh, you look at his record, uh, every single Democrat uh, that is in the United States Senate now, that was in the U.S. Senate when he, uh, Gorsuch was placed on a uh, circuit court position, they voted for him, right? So people like Chuck Schumer voted for him. Evan Bayh used to be in the Senate then. Uh, he supported Neil Gorsuch. Uh, Hillary Clinton was then in the Senate. She supported Neil Gorsuch. And the reason all these Democrats supported this uh, very conservative uh, but principled and thoughtful uh, justice is that he was eminently qualified for the position. Right. They didn't they couldn't make any substantive challenges uh, to his legal reasoning, to his uh, fidelity to the Constitution. 
and so forth. Moreover, he just does an exceptionally good job in private meetings with legislators like myself, answering your questions. He did very well in his hearing. So let me give most of the credit to Gorsuch himself. But in terms of uh, changing uh, the threshold to elect a, a Supreme Court justice, in a sense, we did, I suppose, uh, because never before uh, has there been opposition, partisan opposition, to an incoming president being able to put forward their Supreme Court nominee and having that person put in place. There just hasn't. There's never been a debate uh, or, or a, uh, a, a filibuster of that kind of nominee before like there was for Neil Gorsuch. So we wanted to maintain that precedent. And to maintain that uh, historical precedent, we had to change the rules. Harry Reid had done this for all other federal court judges when he led as the Democrat leader of, of the U.S. Senate. So uh, what Mitch McConnell did was follow the precedent of Harry Reid with respect to federal court judges and applied it to this Supreme Court judge, obviously the highest ranking. Uh, federal court uh, judge position. So um, we were able to cite precedent. I think it was a principled decision. We were regrettably left with no other decision than than to do this uh, uh, because of the Democrats' filibuster. And that's how all this played out. Senator Merritt? Todd, what uh, you'll be in parades this, this next week, and then and then you'll get back after the 4th of July holiday and uh, and you'll be seeing people in the next week or so in Indiana, and you'll be out and about. I, I know that you have a tireless uh, work ethic. Uh, what what do you expect to hear from Hoosiers? And 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 just tell us what what a time frame. Uh, when will you uh, start taking up the health care issue? And, and and is it on Monday uh, following the fourth, or what, what can Hoosiers expect for the month of July? Uh, from your office and for the other other uh, U.S. senators. So as I as I encounter Hoosiers, I know they'll want to talk about health care some because that's certainly been in the news. Uh, so uh, their concerns uh, typically have been, uh, look, keep your promises. Uh, make sure that uh, you do everything you can to make our nation's health care system sustainable. My premiums are going through the roof or I lost my doctor. Uh, and, you know, these are the sorts of things I'll hear. And, and, and so we're going to do everything we can to keep that promise uh, many of us have, have been making for years uh, and um, uh, reform our nation's health care system. Um, with respect to going back to Washington, yes, immediately following this July 4th recess, we'll resume our, our debate of the new bill incorporating those new provisions I just talked about. Uh, we're going to review a, a, a new Congressional Budget Office score, which, frankly, these things are so skewed. Uh, they've used data assumptions that are over a year old. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, these are the they're the referees in terms of scoring these pieces of legislation, um, even though they don't uh, you know, factor in the fact that Hoosiers have lost you know, uh, several uh, insurance options just over the last year. For example, uh, we have to deal with their scores. And uh, we'll see if we can get to 51 votes. Uh, mm -hmm. You can't get to 51 votes on this 
um, uh, we'll have a debate uh, probably about whether you do a full repeal, something uh, Rob asked me about and, and uh, Jimmy showed an interest in. So um, that'll be the first order of business. And, um, you know, in the midst of all that, I'm going to attend a naturalization ceremony on Monday in Indianapolis. It's probably the mm-hmm. best part of my job. There, there are a lot of good aspects to my job. That's a nice ceremony. Uh, That's a great ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Judge uh, Barker does a fantastic job. And um, it, it uh, either brings tears to your eyes or, or sends chills down your spine. I, uh, but for someone to willingly, voluntarily say, I'm going to raise my hand and pledge allegiance uh, to be an American. I want to be an American. I buy into the American idea uh, and I want to contribute. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful as, as a, a, an American patriot to me than that moment. So uh, I'll probably bring a couple of my kids along. And um, so, so that's what my near uh, future looks like. Senator, uh, again, our guest, United States Senator Todd Young. I know your time is very valuable, so I uh, want to get you out of here on this. Tell us about tax reform. They keep saying they can't do tax reform until Obamacare is decided. Tell us why that is and where you see tax reform lining up here in the next couple of months. Yeah, so uh, we're choosing to do tax reform after uh, the Obamacare situation plays out because uh, we're going to repeal some taxes uh, that are in, embedded within Obamacare, uh, you know, taxes like the medical device tax that kill jobs, yeah, uh, all manner of other taxes, the tan tax, uh, which, you know, Jim hates because he's always tan. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, Bob, you're not the only and, one that teases me. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, if you can, if you can um, cut all these taxes, then future revenue assumptions go down, right? And that allows you to lower tax rates uh, more aggressively without uh, blowing a hole in the deficit. So it's really uh, it's a math issue, or at least uh, it's a scorekeeping issue based on on how we score our tax proposals. A little bit wonky. But it is important we get our tax rates down, that we simplify the code. And uh, I hope we turn right to that uh, as soon as we quickly resolve health care uh, after returning from the break. Senator Merritt, closing thoughts for Senator Young? Well, uh, keep up the good work, Todd. And, and uh, I think, I think uh, you've done a great job on, on getting the agencies to, to perform more efficiently. You've worked on that as a, as a member of the House of Representatives. I think you know that I have a, a, a real interest in, in buying insurance across uh, state lines so that we yes. get more lives and more efficiency in, into the system. So hopefully uh, premiums go down. And, and there are so many different ways to uh, uh, to reform the healthcare business and, and, and government uh, uh, offering it to individuals that that are uh, are not able to purchase it themselves, but uh, good luck uh, with with uh, different places that you're going to be going. And that uh, D- Judge Barker does a great job on that on that Monday. And and uh, thank you for your public service and thank you for your career in the military. Uh, we ver- we very much appreciate that. And and uh, that 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 gets honored several times a year. And. And I'm very proud that you're my friend and what you do out in Washington, D.C. Well, Jim, you're one of the best. Uh, You know, there's some folks, uh, you and I both know it, that 
run for office to be somebody, and, and clearly uh, you're a workhorse, so you run for office consistently to do things and do consequential and important things that benefit the lives of Hoosiers. And so on behalf of my family, uh, I want to say thank you to uh, to you for your service, and um, let's find some ways uh, in coming months and years to work together uh, for the Let's betterment of uh, our respective constituents. Thank you, Thank Senator. You. Keep up the great work. We'll talk to you soon. All the best. Thanks. That was United States Senator Todd Young. And don't forget, if you missed any part of the interview Senator Jim Merritt and I did with him earlier today, you can hear it in its entirety tomorrow, 8.30 a.m. Capital Happenings right here on 98.9 WYRZ. Take a quick break. More on the way next. You're listening to Central Indiana Today. Rob Kendall here speaking with Donald James from Impact Youth Mentoring. Donald, what is Impact Youth Mentoring? Rob, we are a not-for-profit group pairing mentors with at-risk youth in Hendricks County and developing tomorrow's leaders. How long has Impact Youth been around and how many children have been impacted? We were formed in 2011 and have impacted more than 125 kids through our mentoring and after-school tutoring services. So how can folks get involved with Impact Youth? We are always in need of some good folks who are interested in becoming a mentor for children in Hendricks County who could use mentoring. And if someone wants more information... You can find us on Facebook by searching Impact Youth Mentoring or at our website, impactyouthmentoring.org. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County. You're listening to Central Indiana Today. I'm Rob Kendall. Thanks for joining us. Special thanks to United States Senator Todd Young for being our guest today. Also, thanks to Scott Strong weighing in on this big decision by Governor Eric Holcomb to no longer ask if someone's been convicted of a crime on their executive branch application. Don't forget, if you missed any part of today's show, check out the podcast anytime you want. We're on SoundCloud and iTunes. Download the show right to your smartphone or tablet. Go back and listen anytime you want. All you have to do is search Central Indiana Today. As always, the podcast presented by McDonald's. Until next time, I'm Rob Kendall saying have yourself a great evening. You've been listening to the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today on 98.9 WYRZ. Made possible by the Kevin Kersey Agency. An archive of today's program can be heard at our website, wyrz.org. Tune in next time for another edition of the Kevin Kersey Agency presents Central Indiana Today with your host, Rob Kendall. This podcast of Central Indiana Today is brought to you by Figment 2 McDonald's. Stop by any of their stores in Avon, Brownsburg, Danville Speedway, and 10th Street next to Ben Davis High School, for great specials, including the two for two fifty and two for $5. They also have all-day breakfast items, which now include biscuits and McGriddles. And coming soon to the Danville location, Wednesdays will be family night. Figment 2 McDonald's is a proud supporter of Central Indiana Today and WYRZ 98.9. Hello, this is Kevin Kersey. Since 1968, our family has been helping customers with their insurance needs. We provide insurance coverage for life, home, auto, and recreational vehicles. And our phone number is 317-286-3481. The Kevin Kersey Agency can also be found on Facebook at The Kevin Kersey Agency or at our website, www.farmersagent.com forward slash kkersey. And you're always welcome to stop in at 480 East Northfield Drive, Suite 300 in Brownsburg. The Kevin Kersey Agency is a proud member of the Farmers Insurance Group. 
Participate in global diplomacy and bring the world to the Hoosier State and your home. AUSA is a top-tier nonprofit agency that matches exceptional high school students with qualified host families for a rewarding exchange experience that cultivates leadership skills, develops intercultural awareness, and enhances local families and communities. For more information about hosting a student or studying abroad, visit www.ayusa.org. That's www.ayusa.org or call 415 415- Two three one three eight seven one. That's four one five two three one three eight seven one. The UPS Store Brownsburg is located at 124 East Northfield Drive in Brownsburg. Their phone number is 858-1422. The UPS Store Brownsburg can handle your printing needs, including color, large format, and business cards. They also do blueprints, mailers, and invitations. Thanks to owner Tom Reese and all the folks at the UPS Store Brownsburg for supporting community radio in Hendricks County. Rob Kendall here speaking with Donald James from Impact Youth Mentoring. Donald, what is Impact Youth Mentoring? Rob, we are a not-for-profit group pairing mentors with at-risk youth in Hendricks County and developing tomorrow's leaders. How long has Impact Youth been around and how many children have been impacted? We were formed in 2011 and have impacted more than 125 kids through our mentoring and after-school tutoring services. So how can folks get involved with Impact Youth? We are always in need of some good folks who are interested in becoming a mentor for children in Hendricks County who could use mentoring. And if someone wants more information? You can find us on Facebook by searching Impact Youth Mentoring or at our website, impactyouthmentoring.org. Indiana Family Dentistry is located at 505 North Green Street in Brownsburg. Dr. Will Hine practices general and cosmetic dentistry with services ranging from veneers and whitening to implants and complete smile restorations. Indiana Family Dentistry's phone number is 852-5999 and website is infamilydentistry.com. Indiana Family Dentistry is a proud supporter of Hendricks County and Community Radio.